Go ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy. As you get there, uh, you know, uh, it's been an honor to fill in for Pastor Rick. I pray that you have been praying for him uh, as he and Miss Nancy are getting some uh, rest and uh, relaxation and just a refreshing. And so we certainly want to continue to pray for them. Uh, but it has been an honor to, uh, to fill in and just to be back home. It's been, it's been a while since I had preached here. And so uh, we're thankful uh, that we are back. Uh, we'll be headed down to get some sun on our face and some sand in our toes next week. Uh, but uh, we'll be back after that uh, to worship with you. So um, it is good to have the opportunity to do that. You know, the title of the message is, it's all because of one. It's all because of one. We're going to reference that puzzle there in just a, a little bit further down in the, the, uh, the message. But it's, it's, it's really all because of one. You know, I saw a quote this week. C.T. Studs used to repeat these four lines. Some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Would you let that sort of just sink in? A lot of folks want to live close enough to the Lord that they can know he's there but not close enough to where it really makes a difference I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell hell's a real place and there'll be many that tragically find that out when all the while they had the opportunity to know the Savior. You know, we need in our world today, I believe we need in America, we need in North Carolina, we need in Greensboro, we need in Oak Ridge, Summerfield, and all the surrounding areas. I believe we need right here on Fleming Road this morning, we need truth spoken. And can I tell you, truth is not a plan, it's a man, and his name is Jesus. It's all because of one. And we've sung about Jesus this whole morning, and I'm so thankful we did, because that's all I'm going to preach about all morning, is Jesus. Because it is all because of him. You know, Charles Spurgeon used to say, whenever a preacher starts, just read the text and then make a beeline to the cross in Jesus. That's a good word for every preacher and pastor this morning. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, I hope you do. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6. I'm going to ask you to stand, as I always do, as we honor the reading of the Holy Text this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in 1, but we're really going to concentrate on 5 and 6. It says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. You need to circle all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, that the testimony would be proclaimed in due time. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, speak to the hearts of your people this morning. 
God, may we know and trust that there is one God, one mediator, and one message for your people. And may we truly honor you by proclaiming that in our lives. For we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The simple takeaway of this message this morning is there's only one who can save, and his name is Jesus. There's only one that can give you new life. There's only one that can take care of the main problem that each and every one of us have, and that is Jesus. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of one. I want to talk to you about one God, one mediator, one message, the subject of one. And the very first thing we see here is that subject of one God. In verse, the very first part of five, it says to be saved and to come to the knowledge for there is one God. Now, there's only one God. Now, we know the world wants to explain that away. We know that they want to look at God in a different way. Uh, the world would have us to believe that God can be viewed and thought of in many different religions and really a lot of different spiritual concepts. Hindus worship the idea that the oneness could be found in infinite representation of gods and goddesses. New Age spirituality promotes the development of a person's own power or divinity, that you are yourself, God. Buddhists just, re- they just want to reach nirvana, and God really ain't even a part of it. And then the Muslims, they, they would say, no, we have the same God. His name is Allah, but, but their God is a, is a strict judge who, who would be merciful towards followers depending on their sufficiency, whether their life is good or bad. Can I tell you, none of us are good. How do I know that? Because the Bible says there is not one that is good in the eyes of the Lord. But the God we know. The one we just have sung about this morning. He's the only God. There's no God like him. There's no God like Jehovah. And his desire to see all people saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. There's one God. All the other objects, all the other subjects that men worship as gods are only idols. And they are powerless to save. They're powerless to do anything good in their lives. And here Paul writes young Timothy, and we get a very definite reason why we should pray for all men, regardless of who they are. Why? Because God desires all men to be saved. And I hope that we believe that this morning. And, and I know I, I won't get into a theological discussion that I believe is useless anyway about the elect versus free will. Can I tell you, the Bible speaks of both. And it is both. You can't reconcile the scriptures that God desires all men. I believe Jesus Christ died for all men, but I believe many will reject him. The Bible says there's only one God. You know, we got some smart people in this world that think they're smart. And they are smart according to the world's terms of being smart. You know, Stephen Hawking died March 14th of this year. He made this statement Uh, A while back, uh, several years ago, there is no God. There's no heaven or afterlife. We have one life, is what he said. And he died March the, 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 the 14th of this year. Can I tell you there's three truths I believe he would share if he could today? I think the first thing he'd share is there's a hell. Because I'm experiencing it right now. I think he'd share another truth. There's a heaven. But I believe there's another truth he'd share, and he'd share God desires all men to be saved. And I had my opportunities. 
Jesus said to those who refuse this testimony, you will not come to me that you might have life. There were those that rejected Jesus Christ. It's the desire of God that all men should be saved. The Bible tells us, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. The Lord desires all men to be saved. We see that in Ezekiel 33. This expresses his attitude towards all men everywhere. His desire is that all would be saved. I don't believe God desires any to perish. I don't believe that it's his plan to send one person to hell, but they'll send themselves there. You know why I believe that? You say, preacher, why would you say that? Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 25, 41, the hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But when man rejects Jesus Christ, their eternal destination is that place, hell. A place that was not prepared for them, yet they chose to go there. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient. And He's been patient for many for a while. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repentance. Y'all know what repentance is? Repentance is simply turning from yourself and your desires and turning to the Lord. It is a, if, if it's a simply saying, if I'm, I'm all about me, I, I'm all about what I want, I, I'm all about gratifying my own desires, and then I realize that none of that satisfies and I realize that I'm missing something, and I am missing God. I am missing Jesus because the Holy Spirit is convicting me of exactly where I'm headed, and I do this number, and I turn toward Jesus, and I continue to walk toward Jesus. See, repentance isn't invisible. I want to say that again. Repentance is not invisible. There's a noticeable difference. The Bible says when you are saved that you are a new creation. You are no longer who you used to be. Thank God that I'm no longer who I used to be. I ain't perfect, but thank him, I, thank, I just thank him that I ain't who I was. To be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. See, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to know of him. It's not enough to believe that he died on the cross. It's not enough to believe he is God's son. Because the demons believe that. you got to trust him. You have to surrender to him. You have to know that, yes, he died on the cross. And the reason he died on the cross is because he loved me so much that he went there for my sins and for your sins. And you have to place your trust in him. It's not enough to know about him. You have to know him personally as your Lord and Savior. And God desires all men to be saved. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. No one comes to the Father but me. There has to be a coming to the truth. Warren Wiersbe says the difference between perishing and living, between condemnation and salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. There is one God and he wants all to be saved. Have you come to the saving knowledge 
of Jesus today. There's one God, but the text says in the second place, there's one mediator. There's one mediator. Look with me here. One mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The Bible says here that there's one God and there's one way to get to him. I'm going to say that again. There's one God and there's only one way to get to him. You know, you hear these people say, especially these TV hosts, I ain't even going to go there, but it's sad. But you know, they look at it and say, oh, well, this is just a big wheel and God's in the center and there's all kind of different avenues to him. Can I tell you again, the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's one God and there's one way to get to him. I'm going to say it again. There's one God and there's one way to get to him. The Bible says there's one mediator. A mediator is a person who stands between two parties. It's a person who stands between two parties and acts as a go-between. And the Bible says here that there's only one who can bring God and man together in fellowship. There's only one mediator that can do that. You know, one of, Jacob's, uh, one of Job's complaints has to do with the absence of a mediator. When he, he was wanting someone to take a message to God, we see that in Job 9, 33. The Bible says there's only one God and there's only one way to him. See, if you're going to go talk to God, then there's only one way you're going to go talk to him. It's through Jesus. If you want to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to go through Jesus to have that relationship. There's only one God, and there's only one way to get to him, and that's through the mediator, Jesus Christ. See, only God can relate to himself. That's good, ain't it? Only God can relate to himself. How are you going to have a mediator that's going to go to God and be able to, 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 to understand God's heart, understand what he's knowing, to understand what he's thinking? Only God can relate to himself. But then Jesus Christ, and it came down, God in flesh. The Bible says in John 1, it says, He came in flesh and dwelt among us. So He can relate to man. Oh, there's only one that can relate to man and God. Jesus. See, He's often been imitated, but He's never been duplicated. One God, one mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. Christ is the name given here, God's anointed one, Jesus Christ, the name given to him at birth, Jesus the God-man. You know, I believe 100%. I think he was 100% man, and he was 100% God, all at the same time. Can I tell you, I believe he was 100% God and 100% man, all at the same time. You say, Terry, I can't reconcile that. How do you figure that? I don't know. But I believe it. I absolutely believe that this morning. You say, preacher, that don't make sense. I said this about the cross. I'll say it about the deity of Christ coming in the form of Jesus Christ. Would you rather it make sense or would you rather it work? There's a whole lot of things that don't make sense to me on how they work, but I trust they work. You say, that's just not logical. I can't explain it, but I can tell you this. I'm sure glad that he came. I'm sure glad that he, he did that for me. I'm glad that he stepped out of heaven. Clothed in flesh. Born of a virgin. Lived a sinless, perfect life. Died a vicarious death on my behalf. I'm sure glad he did it. I don't know how he did it, but I'm glad he done it. 
says there's one God, one mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 8.12 says we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne in majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. And Hebrews 7.25, just a chapter over, it says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Can I tell you again, you can come to God today through Jesus Christ. He desires all to be saved because he gave a man called Christ Jesus himself, clothed in flesh for you and for me. You know what this is just saying on a me- from a mediator standpoint? When I call on God, when I go to God, Jesus is already there on my behalf. That's good. When I go to him, Jesus is already there. The Bible says he ever liveth interceding on my behalf. When I go to Jesus and, and ask him, he's already been to God. He knows what I need. He's interceding for me right now. He's interceding for you right now. Y'all ever heard the term, it's not what you know, but who you know? Has, has any of y'all ever benefited from, from knowing somebody, I mean, you got a job or you got a gift or you got an opportunity to attend an event that you couldn't have attended if you hadn't known somebody. Anybody in here ever benefited of that? Let me flesh that out for you. A couple of years back, like year before last, Jay and I, where you at, brother? Love you, brother. You and Jason Moss are going to appreciate this more than probably anybody in here, but we're going we're gonna to try anyway. So, so me and Jay, we're down at the Iron Bowl. Anybody in here know what the Iron Bowl is? That's not a restaurant. All right. It's Alabama-Auburn game, the biggest rivalry in sports history. Yeah. <laughs> and so me and Jay's down there. I, I, listen, y'all got the right to be wrong. All right, let's go back. And so, and so we walking around down there, right, Jay? And Jay's going to tell you a whole different story about how I'm salivating and just uh, it, it's not true. All right. <laughs> So I'm walking around down there. Jay's walking around with me. We, we come up to that beautiful football facility right outside of Bryant-Denny Stadium. And we looking in and can't get in. And the fence is all around us. You remember what I'm talking about, Jay? We looked at and there was a, there was a, there was a sign that said Coach Saban. And there wasn't no cars within 10 cars of that sign. And so we want to get in there to see that facility. And we can't get in there because we don't know nobody to get us in there. But lo and behold, Cedric Burns comes out. Don't know us from anybody. But he could tell we desired something. And so he got to talking. And Jay Love, if y'all know Jay Love, he starts dropping names. Because he knows everybody in the world. And so he drops the name Jeff Allen, which, by the way, just got named the best trainer in college sports. And so anyway, we're getting in there, and, and he comes up, and he starts talking to us. And Jay said, well, can you tell my daughter, Christy, used to work down here, used to go to school down here, and can you tell Jeff we said hello? And Cedric Burns said, I can't do it. And both of us, like, we were, I was a little taken back. He said, I can't do it. And we was like, what's going on? He said, I'm going to let you do it yourself. And he took us in. And so we walking around. You got Damian Harris and all these other folks just walking around. They, you know, Eddie Jackson's up there, you know getting his leg work. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) 
And so we got a chance to get in there because we had somebody working for us on the inside. Let me bring this back around. Can I tell you? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you got somebody working for you on the inside. He can get you to the Lord. He's interceding on your behalf. You're going through something this morning. You got a man on the inside working for you. One mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. How did he become one mediator? How does he get the how does he get to be the mediator? The Bible tells us because he gave himself as a ransom. One God, one mediator who gave himself for a ransom. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. You go on down in Galatians, in, two, verse, in chapter 2, verse 20, says, I have been crucified with Christ, no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Look, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's not good enough for you. I got Titus 2.14. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, look, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Can I tell you, he earned the right to be the mediator because he gave it all. See, to pay a ransom is to Pay something that somebody else can be free. It's to pay something so somebody can be free. Jesus paid the ransom when he walked all the way to Calvary. Paid the ransom with his life and his blood. And can I tell you, it was his love for us that compelled him to do it. One God, one mediator. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. One God, one mediator. And his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is one God and one mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. That same God desires all to be saved, and he gave you a way to be saved. Adrian Rogers once said, and I believe it with all my heart, every person that steps into hell will have to step over a blood-stained cross with their name on it. Because he paid it all for all. Sadly, there'll be those that will reject it. Simply put, Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's not a way. He's not the best way. He's the only way. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for a ransom. But notice with me the last thing. We've got one God, one mediator. We've got one message, one gospel to be testified to in due time. Yes, God desires all men to be saved. He's put provision whereby all men can be saved. 
But that's not the end of the story. That's the gospel that needs to go out. We got two teams that are going to go out. Do you know you can't spell the gospel without go? Let that just, I know some of you ain't going to get it. You'll get it in a minute. See, Paul's a witness to the story of Christ. He's a witness. He's experienced it himself. He can testify that I am an eyewitness. Could you testify that you're a witness? He says, this is true and I know it. He says, I'm not lying. This is true. If you read on down in the text... See, the only gospel we have is the only gospel we need. That's a good word. The only gospel we have is the only one we need. The problem is not with the gospel itself, but the lack of the belief of its power to save. Hence, our lack of motivation to share. Do you really believe in God's power? Do you really believe in the gospel's power? says to be testified in due time. Roy Fish said evangelism must be practiced at all times because death never takes a vacation. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, we've got a compelling message. We need to share it with everyone and everywhere. John Sullivan, y'all remember him? He's the one that quoted about half the Bible right here in this pulpit one time. I was shocked. But he said something sometime. He said, God's so good that he has instructed us to who it is we are supposed to witness to. And he gave it to us. You know who it is? If they breathe. I believe that's about everybody. You say, Pastor, how do I tell my friends? How do I tell my coworkers? We got students in here. How in the world do I tell my students? I mean, do you know how... How are they going to feel? I mean, I've never taken a seminar on sharing Jesus. I've never participated in an evangelism class. I mean, how am I going to do it? I'm just going to give you the easiest way that I know how. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. If he's done something for you. It's that easy. Just tell them what he's done for you. How many we got here this morning that know the Lord as their personal Savior? Done a marvelous work in your life. Don't raise your hand. Sure, we got many. How many of those that know the Lord told anybody about him this week? I bet you they'd have been more hands at the first question I asked than the second. You know, I, I don't believe that you got to come to church to get saved. I believe we ought to be sharing Jesus Christ everywhere we go with everybody we hear and see. I believe that. But I do believe this. I believe that you ought to be able to get saved in church. I'm with Johnny Hunt on that. You don't have to go to church to get saved, but you ought to be able to get saved at church. 
you know the sad thing today is there's many churches right now having service that will never give an opportunity for people to know Jesus because they'll never preach the gospel. They'll give a great TED talk. Look, if I wanted to hear a TED talk, first, I don't even want to hear a TED talk. But if I wanted to hear one, the last place I'd go to hear it is at church. They'll never get an opportunity at, at church to hear the gospel. And if they do by any chance hear the gospel, they won't even have an invitation to invite folks to respond to it. Invitations getting taken out of the service. That ain't important. Can I tell you, that's the most important. Absent of the proclaiming of the gospel before it. <laughs> You know why people leave starved a lot of times when they come to church? Because they never got shared any of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, to them. And I know that sometimes people say, well, the gospel won't draw a crowd, Terry. We got to get them in here. We got to do something else. And look, there's a lot of churches. And by the way, it says, come to truth. Jesus Christ is truth. He said, I am truth. There's a lot of churches this morning that ain't preaching truth. I know one right now. I, was, I, was, I mean, I was flabbergasted this week. I read something, the article. They probably got about 50,000 people listening to this. He's cool, too. I mean, that joker's so cool, icebergs just hanging off his ears. And they have many folks going down there. But can I just tell you something? If a pastor told me the more I read, if I, if I don't doubt and I read the Bible, don't doubt I'm not reading the Bible, that'd be the last time I listened to anything he had to say. Last time I checked, when I read my Bible, it assures me. It don't cause me doubt. It assures me. One God, one mediator, one message. If we got back to that, the church in America would explode the right way. You know how I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. If you don't believe me, just flip on over afternoon. this afternoon when you ain't got nothing better to do. And there ain't nothing better than reading God's word. <laughs> just read Acts 2. Just start it. As a matter of fact, just start in Acts and don't stop till you get to the end of it. And you'll see God do a mighty work with something simple called the gospel. That's why we all here, because somebody went and shared the only message that really matters, the gospel. Do you know him today? One God, one mediator, one message. Do you know him this morning? If you do, are you telling anybody that you know him this morning? Would you stand with me?